Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Welcome back to another episode of the 70 Forecast. It's Matt and Wes joining you guys this week. Uh, Corey couldn't be with us, uh, but we're joining you sunburnt and possibly recovering from this weekend. Uh, Wes just got back from vacation, uh, so we decided to put together an episode on this uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, some breaking news happened uh, this morning or some news that affects our division. Uh, Julio Jones was traded by the Atlanta Falcons to the Tennessee Titans for a second a fourth and a sixth round draft pick so thank god he's out of the nfc south and out of the nfc altogether it's now the afc's problem uh wes what do you think about uh getting rid of julio and how do you think that affects the falcons outlook good riddance <laughs> i am ecstatic that we don't have to guard him uh just i have visions of 300 yard receiving days just Every, every time we play the Falcons because of how abysmal our secondary has been in the past. Uh, I do, I do think it wouldn't have been quite the same this year uh, with, with the upgrades to the defense in the secondary. Uh, but I think that not only does it affect the fact that, that they're a much easier team to play, but for us and, and, and defend, I think they're going to struggle in offense now a little bit with, with that weapon that, it, yeah, they, they grab pits and they they still have pits and Ridley. Um, but I don't think that's enough for an aging Matt Ryan personally. Right. So I, they lose Todd Gurley and they lose Julio. So they still, and they gain Kyle Pitts and Mike Davis this off season. Uh, I, I'm very happy about this, at least as a Panthers fan now that we don't have to worry about those 300 yard games and this guy torsion, our cornerbacks, which he's done for the last, I don't know, probably going on 10 years now. Uh, so thank God I'm not really worried about Calvin Ridley now. Most of his looks came from Julio being double teamed last year. So now it looks like we just have to worry about Kyle Pitts going forward and uh, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I, I think we just talked a little bit about this a little bit ago. Uh, I think you can put JC on Pitts. He covered him in college or you can, you know, even shadow uh, Pitts with uh, Jeremy Chin and just let Dante uh, handle handle uh, Calvin Ridley. So we'll see what shakes out, but I'm very happy that he's no longer in our division. Our division is finally starting to get weaker, which makes this rebuild uh, that we are still going through. Um, the, it just makes it at a, at a great time. Um, you know, yeah. the division's getting older. Now the teams that have been kicking the can down the road with the cap space, um, they're having to start to pay up for that. The Saints time's coming here before long anyways, but um, – yeah, I'm, I, I could be happier about that. Falcons will probably not need any money since they didn't get a first-round pick from Tennessee. 
But Titans fans should be very happy about this. Now you have A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry. That's uh, that's really tough to stop out there. Yeah, and and you've got a, a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes like 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 a Matt Ryan does. Um, doesn't throw as many interceptions. He he manages the game really well and makes the right decisions, makes the right throws, and and hopefully for for Julio's sake and and Titans fans' sake, they they do a better job drawing up plays in the red zone for Julio. That's something that the Falcons just could not ever seem to do. They couldn't. He he just seemed to not get in the end zone as much as other elite receivers he always racked up the yardage it just was low on the touchdowns it seemed like to me yeah if you're a fantasy owner that was the one downfall when it came to drafting julio is that they just never used him in the red zone or matt ryan always looked at calvin or um um uh hayden hurst or throwing it to the backfield so um if you're a if you're a julio owner and you know long-term dynasty uh, fantasy uh, formats, then then you're probably pretty happy about this as well. And Tennessee is, probably has one of the you – know, they, they probably now have an offense that can compete with Kansas City's. Um, yeah, I mean – really I, I, AFC. I think in the AFC you're looking at at, at two teams that, that are just better than everyone else on paper. And it's no longer everyone looks at it on paper and says it's, it's the, the Chiefs are, are the, the, the AFC team to beat. I think with, with that, I think that the Titans really have a chance to, to do something because they've been competitive and, and, and very good for the last couple of years already. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got, they've got a system in place there. AJ Brown was very outspoken about bringing him in. So was Derek Henry. So uh, the teams obviously have been wanting to get this guy in and get another weapon in so they can make a run. And I think it is, uh, helps AJ Brown have a, have a huge year going forward as well. Yep. And you mentioned something that I wanted to hit hit on a little bit, the, the declining division. The Saints are not quite the Saints that they have been in the last few years. The Falcons are not quite, quite great either, um, especially after losing Julio. And as long as Brady's in Tampa, they're, they're going to, they're going to attract the talent and they're going to attract it for cheap. And that for the most part, um, they did pay Shaq, pay up for Shaq, but so they're they're all they're going to be tough. But one thing we talked about this week in the group chat was the, the blueprint to beat them, and and I think we've kind of set up the, the defense such that we can we can try and get that pressure on Tampa and, and 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 at least contend with Tampa and make it give us a chance at the division. I think with those with the other two kind of seemingly being out of it in my eyes. Yeah, Brian Burns uh, said in his press conference uh, this week that he 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 sees the defense laying the foundation and growing and he's very excited about them making the next step forward, but you're right. That's, that's the way you're going to beat Tampa and you're going to take the division back is to put pressure on Brady and, and apply pressure to the quarterback. And that's something that we've failed to do in years past. Um, it, it was a staple of ours in years prior when we were successful and we were having sustained success and the defense was as well, but I mean, we just have had trouble getting to the quarterback um, in the past few years, but but this year we we have the weapons and the tools to get after guys. And you know, Brady's been dealing with a, a knee issue um, this off season as well. And I I think Arians came out and said that he possibly was a little bit last year also. But I mean, he may not see any you know real work even in mini camp. I mean, it might not come until you know maybe late in the preseason as well. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, I'm I, I mean, I just can't say how excited I am about uh, this defense this upcoming season. Yep. I'm looking forward to watching it, looking forward to the improvements. And um, 
kind of related. We there was an article you you sent in the group group chat earlier this week about uh, the Falcons possibly trading Jones Chandler Jones, um, edge rusher, and I was all for it <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for us us being in the conversation for him because of what I just said. It it, it all hinges on 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 Sam being ready and and Sam being the guy you think. But if he is, I think that that's a that's a move I would make. Um, but I, I, what what did you think about that possibility if, if they were to move him if, of us being in that conversation? Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, um, Chandler Jones isn't happy with his deal uh, with the Cardinals right now. He's wanting um, a, a longer-term deal with more money, uh, as he should. I mean, he's, he's one of the, the best um, defensive ends in the league uh, when he's healthy. But if that's the type of move that if you make, then you better be sure that Sam's your guy. You better be sure that the pieces around you um, – or, or you have faith in those and the, and the growth that's coming with them um, because he's going to, you're going to have to pay him if you're going to trade for him. And Arizona is going to want um, some very you know, costly compensation. So it's probably going to cost, you know, a first round pick um, and then some to go and get him. I mean, he's probably 30 or 31. I haven't seen his age. I haven't checked on that in a little bit. What, but, do, you, um, what do you think about throwing in YGM? What do you think that does for the pick compensation? Because with with Chandler, you don't need all of that. You don't need everything that we've got currently. No, you're right. I, I just I'm I'm high, and I know Corey is as well on um, Gross Matos. I, I think he can be just as good as as Burns. Um, he has the physical tools. He he has the technique. It's just you know, are are you willing to sacrifice one of the young guys to get uh, a piece that can change the franchise around? You know, at least on the defensive side of the ball, and, and you know, make a run asap. Right. You know, and, and like you, uh, like we both said, it hinges on hand on Sam being the guy. Like if you think right. Sam with Terrace and DJ and hopefully Robbie comes sometime. Um, if you yeah. think Sam with, with that group and the, the weapons we put around him and the improved offensive line can get you there. I don't see why you don't do it. Like that's, that's why you make moves for, for guys. If, if, if they saw something in Sam that they thought could turn around. So, yeah, uh, you're, then you're starting uh, Chandler Jones opposite of Brian Burns with Derek Brown Lord. and what Morgan five, no, Daquan Jones. I'm sorry. Yeah. Daquan Jones probably gets that start. And so then the, you have Reddick, Shaq and Perryman. Um, I mean, that's with, with JC Dante. And I think Dante excels with the pressure off of being the guy I, I really do. And chin back there. Goodness, man. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a defense. That's tough to be. I mean, it doesn't matter who you throw in at free safety. I mean, Justin Burris, you know, even if it went there that route, I mean. I think in, right now it probably will unless they – unless somebody surprises us. But I, I think that's probably where we're headed currently. Yeah, just – I can't say it over and over, but the, the, the defense, actually seeing them in preseason and then week one, uh, it's going to be – I mean, that's, that's what I'm most excited to see. Obviously, Sam's growth – um, and seeing how he does, but but the defensive side of the ball, we have a, a lot of weapons and a lot of young weapons at that. But, uh, moving on though, um, OTAs kicked off uh, this past week, and like you kind of alluded to there, Robbie um, was one of two players that was not there. Uh, Daquan Jones is the other that hasn't reported as well, and that's a little bit understandable. Um, a veteran guy who's kind of dealing the off season, he was taking his time, you know, coming in. I know a lot of the veterans tend not to come to uh, you know, OTAs. They like to show up just for mini camps, and that's understandable. Um, 
but is it concerning to you at all that Robbie has not reported to OTAs? I mean, I know DJ came out and said that, you know, he talks to Robbie, it's no big deal. Um, but I know there was a lot of rumors floating around on Twitter that we tried to trade him or we tried to get rid of him. Uh, I don't believe those to be true. I never saw anything factual. never saw any uh, smoke to it at all. Um, I personally think that Robbie's just taking some time and he'll show up at minicamp. Um, so I don't think it's anything to even you know, bat an eye at, but um, it would be nice to have the full roster there for OTAs. So, but what are your, uh, your opinion on that? In a vacuum, it doesn't worry me. But given everything, it's a little concerning. Um, but I will I will note that Robbie is a weird dude. We talked about that before recording. He's right. he's he's an odd cat um, or an odd bear, I guess. If you want to, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 more applicable. Yeah. So, but he uh, the it all started what a month or two ago. He took all of his Panthers stuff off of IG, but he did kind of a full cleanse anyway. And then he, on his story, he just went nuts posting pictures of himself in Jets uniform and said something about like, New York always loved me or New York always, something along those lines of like, basically making it sound like either the fans, the off, the front office, something people didn't appreciate him here is what it sounded like to me. And then you hear the rumors of the possible trade. And like, if there is a possible trade, you've got to think that maybe his agent, um, caught some wind of it. I don't know. You put all that together and it obviously didn't happen, but if it was going to, if there was even smoke of it, like Robbie's the type of cat that I, that I think does take that to personally and is, is using that as kind of his fuel to not be there right now, possibly pushing for a long-term deal. Who knows? But I think altogether it does concern me a little bit. And he was one of the weapons that I, I really thought would help with Sam's growth this year, because take him out and the elite group of weapons, in my opinion, around him becomes just really, really good. Yeah. And I think that's probably the one thing that I guess that, that maybe worries me a little bit is how he said that Teddy was one of the main reasons that he, he came here. Like that kind of like, like that was the, the final thing he needed to see before he signed his deal. Um, I don't really know, you know, the truth necessarily to that. Um, him and Sam did have a great connection in New York. I don't know what their relationship is or, you know, how close they are. Um, and, and, you know, for the guys that signed last year, they haven't really seen the, the Panthers fan base, um, you know, what, what the support is like on game days. You know, they played through, you know, most games, you know, without fans last year. And then they played through some games with, you know, what, 2000 fans in attendance. So, you know, I think having a full season, you know, that that'll not be an issue at all. I don't think that'll be something that, you know, he needs to worry about, but um, like you mentioned, if he's, if he's back, you know, there's no issues there Then him, Terrace, um, DJ, Arnold. I mean, we talked about it this week. If you have in the red zone, DJ, Robbie, Terrace, Christian, Trimble, Dan Arnold, I mean, Arnold's like six foot six, right? Yeah, all on the field at the same time. And you have Trimble coming out of basically fullback. And, and the motion that you can do with with Arnold and Trimble and and CMC and the other and the three guys you can have out on the outside. My gosh, man! The, with Joe with Joe Brady's writing, Joe Brady can just write up anything for that. Like any any play that you can imagine, Joe right. Brady can do it. You're not you're not asking Sam to be great. You're not asking him to go out here and make these ungodly plays. It's just when you get inside the red zone. You just just 
follow the offense. Just do what you have to do. Don't be Teddy. Just make the smart play. You don't take sacks. Don't throw picks in the red zone. Throw the ball away if you need to. You don't have to be great when you have these weapons around you and when you have Joe Brady hit your offensive coordinator. Don't, I mean, don't extend the ball over the goal line on the one-yard line. Yeah, don't don't tuck it and then try to reach it back. <laughs> it's, you know. I think whatever. that was the play that solidified for me, like get rid of him. There's a lot during that stretch. The Bears game alone, when you throw back-to-back picks and back-to-back passes, that, that. and then with with Teddy, he he always was was quick to say he wanted the attention when things went well, but when things went bad, he he wasn't you know like Cam. Cam did such a great job at, at taking the blame and saying I got to be better, you know, even if the player dropped a ball and it, that led to an interception. But that's what you wanted your, uh, out of your quarterback, and Teddy just couldn't be that guy. Yeah, and and to that point, one thing that I've really been impressed with with Sam is, yes, he kind of celebrated a little bit that he was leaving New York, and who wouldn't? Um, but he hasn't really, or he hasn't at all, said anything negative about Gase, about any of his receiving cores, about any of his offensive linemen, about his weapons. It's it's been it's been about him. The whole the whole time, in my opinion, and from what I've from what I've heard, if, if I, don't, I don't know if you've heard anything different, but that that's big too. just back to like what you said about Cam. That's 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 what a leader does in the clubhouse. That's what a quarterback has to do. Right. And from all reports, he's looked great in uh, OTAs. I mean, I know there's not been a lot that's come out this week. Um, I know he's been kind of uh, one of the guys who have has performed well. And then also another wide receiver that um, we've yet to talk about. Um, Shy Smith has apparently had a had a heck of a OTA already. Yeah, I feel like every year we get one of the late round draft guys or the, uh, the unsigned, unsigned guys that become like the the camp darling that everybody talks about and everybody, everybody wants to see succeed and do well. And I think that's I think that's the guy to watch this year for a couple reasons. Um, a, I think he did slide a little bit in the draft than more than he should have. He's talented. He's fast. Um, he'll find a roster spot just as a special teamer with punt return, kick return. So. But on top of that, you've got Robbie not reporting. You've got Terrace coming off the injury. So there's there's some, some receiver reps that are that are open there. And I think that really, really helps Shy uh, solidify himself into that, f- possibly into that fourth spot above David Moore um, or, or in that fifth spot right behind David. I know we didn't pay him a ton, but wouldn't surprise me if he could squeak that out if, if he continues this. Right, with uh, Farrow Cooper signing this week with Jacksonville, the returning, uh, the returner, kick returner, and punt returner are wide open. So I think for him, that's his most immediate uh, way to get on the field, and then try to just be, you know, that four or five guy that can come in when you know you go to those big sets or when somebody goes down with an injury. Uh, I think those are probably his most likely paths to get on the field. But if this guy can come in and, and be a reliable kick returner, punt returner, I mean, it worked for Steve Smith as, as his first year, so. You know, just got to get weapons on the field. Um, and I would love for the guy to come out and, and win that job. We haven't had an explosive punt returner since, what, Ted Ginn? Yeah, I was about to say, it's been a while since we've had an explosive returner. And I would mm-hmm. love – if he even if he's not and never sticks as more than a fourth receiver, uh, if he's explosive at punt returner, I'd love to see him stick around for a, a long time. Right. And there hasn't been a lot of news coming out of OTAs this week. I mean, I'm sure that's got a lot to do with still with the COVID situation and uh, reporters access and all of that. So I don't really, 
I haven't seen much out there. Uh, I don't know if uh, if you have as well, but I mean, I think that that what we've touched on so far is pretty much the only things that have really been reported. Yep, I, I'm with you, and I think I did see that that there was going to be that they weren't they were restricting restricting reporters all season, not just now. So that that's kind of disappointing because that that access we we that inside access that we would get from the reporters we're we're kind of getting less and less of it because of of COVID, and there was some some writers, reporters, and those around the game not really happy about that. Right. We'll just hope that I'm sure once we get to Spartanburg and, and minicamp that things will pick up with that um, interviews and just media availability, hopefully, um, at least if it's Zoom, you know, Zoom yeah, calls I, I think, last year. I think it's going to be Zoom. I think they did make a decision that they weren't letting them in the locker room this year. Well, it's from what I saw on Twitter. Right. I, I, I might be off on that, but. No, I, I know that Joe Person, uh, he put out a tweet this week that uh, I know that they were still res- restricting even um, reporters that have been vaccinated. So uh, it's something just like this to follow all year, see how, how much news gets out there. Um, but I know it's, uh, it's been a while since we were, since we've done an episode, the last one we did was our interview with uh, Zach from uh, Roaring Riot. If you haven't listened to that episode, please go do, they did just drop their away game trips. Um, I know um, Miami, Dallas, Buffalo, and I believe New Orleans were the ones that um, became available this past week. So if you're a Roaring Ride mem- member, if you're not, um, join and uh, definitely uh, look into those uh, if it's fits your budget. Um, I know Corey mentioned that him and his fiance are going to try to go to the Miami one. So that'll be something to watch. That, that'll be, that'll be, be that'll be a party right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they'll definitely have a good time on that. Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, Panthers Confidential did drop since we've done our last episode, which was a, a, a nice in-depth feature on the draft and a little bit of the free agency as well. If you guys have not seen that, um, go check it out on YouTube. Um, Bill Voth and the uh, social media team really did a, a good job. The digital team uh, really did a great job on that. And it was cool to actually see the, the front office let them in and kind of uh, chronicle um, the entire draft process, the free agency um, trades with the, the Teddy situation. Um, it was really cool to see. Um, Wes, I know we talked a little bit about it earlier, but what were some things that um, some takeaways that, that, that you have from uh, the uh, confidential segment? Uh, I think one of the biggest, uh, a couple of things. One, the, the infamous screenshot that, I, that was circulating. Yes, Fields was on our big board. Yes, he was on the bottom of it. That's, that's that. Um, I think it was, uh, I I think JC was, was number two behind Sewell. Mm -hmm. If I I was reading the, the, the scribble correctly. Uh, and then Darisaw was on there and Sertain was on there. Two names weren't legible, but I could imagine that one was probably, um, uh, I know it went. I know Smith and Waddle were on there as well. I was gonna. I, I figured Waddle was gonna be the on there. I was gonna guess um, Northwestern uh, guard. Slater. So I, I, w- I would have guessed Slater would have probably been on there somewhere. I can't. But there were two in- illegible names. So for me, mm-hmm. so that's that's the one thing. One thing that that first stood out to me was yeah, Fields was was an option, but he was the last of the options, so really wasn't even a consideration based on that because there were a lot more guys there were a lot of other guys higher than him still left on their board um the board would have had to fall very weird for justin fields to be taken for by us um that and it tells me that 
had Sewell not gone one pick before, he would have been the guy uh, based on that list. And I, I think that probably would have been the case. But Horn was number two on their list. They got him. So I'm, I'm more than pleased with JC. We've talked about that in depth already. And then the second piece was when they were talking about trading back in the second they were mentioning Terrace's name. They were mentioning um, Chris, even Christensen's name in those discussions already. Um, and they traded back, still got Terrace, and then still got Brady in the third round. So uh, that that really stood out to me as like they were th- those were the two guys they were considering there in the second. They were fine with trading back and taking whichever one was available, and then moving forward. So to get both of them and trading back and getting the assets is just tremendous work. It was really nice to see the coach and the general manager on the same page and yeah. just how well they work together and just seeing that, that, that flow, um, that, that's something that we haven't had, at least in, in my eyes. Uh, I know Ron and Marty probably did, but um, it's, it's nice to, to have that and, and to see that and see what a plan does. I mean, they, um, Fitterer went into day two. He got with the scouts. You know, he he got them together. Who are your conviction guys? Who are the guys that you you know or can't miss? Like you you know they're going to be able to come in and compete. And, and another thing that they wanted to do is he wanted to keep pounding the, the word bodies. Uh, we we need bodies for the offensive line. We need bodies for the defensive line. And that was his kind of concept as well. Is that you you build the teams from the from the line out. So you know, getting Christensen when they had him as a, a second round guard and a third round tackle and getting him in the third. That's uh, that that was a, a can't miss pick, um, and Brady's somebody that we talked about for a long time uh, leading up to the draft. But th- it seems like they came came away with their guys um, when they when they wanted them. I know a lot of it probably wasn't shown, and I know was, there was some stuff about some people in the room, you know, being upset when guys started getting picked, and you know we were just sitting still. Um, you know, at least on the offensive line, some guys that they may have had rated higher, but. I feel like for the most part, we got the guys that we wanted. And how funny was it when um, uh, Tommy Trimble's name came up and, and Matt Rule raises his hand? He goes, uh, I vote Trimble. Like, you could tell, like, that was a guy that he's done a lot of study on. The coaching staff is very confident in how to use use him and what he can do on the field. Um, but to me, I, I, think, I think it's um, reassuring a little bit, at least in the draft process, that they went in with a plan. They had certain guys picked and they didn't reach – and we, we talked about how, you know, Scott orchestrated the draft and what it was like for him moving around and, and how great that was for us. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think that just just seeing the guys, you know, how everything unfolded and, and seeing them get the guys that they've done a lot of research on and some guys that they were happy about, even in the third and the fourth round with Chuba and Trimble, that, uh, that, was, that was awesome. Yeah, and uh, I think we talked about this in the draft recap, but but – when the pick was made after the quotes he made, after looking at Trimble, I just, we, we all said that's a Matt rule guy. And so seeing Matt do that and, and say like a triple, like that just echoes, like that is a Matt rule player that, that just lines up with his philosophy, with how he coaches, how he wants his players to play. And, and so that, that was, that's definitely cool to see, to see that. Yeah. And Dave, I know a lot of people would talk about, oh, Dave's too hands-on, but he let those guys work. I mean, he was there and he was kind of, you know, saying, hey, best offer, best offer, best offer. Like, we're not going to take negative points. So it's nice to have your owner reassuring you. And, and like you said, he's on the same page as those guys. 
Uh, but it's nice to let his guys that he hired do their job and work and, and kind of stay back and just be there just in a supporting role. Yep. And I think um, one of the things that probably goes into him being that laid back is probably the Darnold trade. He has a guy that he can at least, can at least be the guy now. I think he'd have been pounding the table for fields otherwise. I mean, as the whole fan base would have been. Um, and I'm not sure that that rule and Scott would have wanted, would have, would have done that. I think they still, they wouldn't have let up the, the darn, not having the quarterback affect their first round pick. I really don't think, I think they would have still stuck with JC. Um, that I could be off base on that. I know quarterback is the most important position, but I just feel like they, they're guys that are going to stick to the process and that you talked about. And if JC was higher rated to them, they were going to take JC quarterback or not. Yeah. And I, I know when that, that Minnesota tried to trade up and I believe that was for fields, which was reported. Um, we had an offer from Denver to move back to nine, even after the Teddy trade, uh, we, we could have held on to Teddy until the after Minnesota, the, the June the 1st. The Minnesota offer was laughable. It yeah, was garbage. It was, um, I think, 93 and 143. Plus their first. Yeah. so Which is awful. Right, right. And it, it may have equaled out on the chart, but it's not enough to make you, you know. Because they were, what, sway. 20 in the first round? Uh, I think they were, like, 14th Four, or 15th. So, so but, either way, yeah, it's not – you. you've got to throw me, like, a second and your first or something, something next year, second, I don't know something. I'd, I'd have to look at the chart a little bit to see how off base that is, but. Right. We were on the same page because they offered the, that to the same teams, eight through 11 and nobody bid on it as well, which is why Chicago was able to move up and ultimately draft Justin Fields. But the draft confidential as a whole just made me even more excited about the future with, with fitter, with rule. Um, I've questioned rule a little bit at times. Uh, I think he's a great motivator, the, the Teddy decision and, and, and a few other decisions just have always have, have loomed as bad decisions. Um, Cause rule was definitely as by all accounts, the one pushing Teddy when he came in. So I think now he's, he's got the right GM beside of him to tell him no, mm-hmm. when, when, when he's pushing, when he's pounding the table for the wrong call like that. Um, so I think going forward, we're, we're in good hands. Yeah. To me, the uh, upside on offense is tremendously higher just by upgrading that position as well. Like, like we've talked about plenty of times, if Sam works out, then we're set for the next you know, 10, 12 years uh, down the line. And you don't have that. Uh, you don't have that worry. But with, with Teddy, it just never seemed like it was going to be a long-term deal. It was just a bad, it was, it was a bad fit from the beginning because you had everybody um, torn because of the cam situation. And then how quickly and how how this everything went down, and then yeah, Teddy showed signs of. I mean, he you know, showed flashes at times, but for the most part, it was you knew what you're going to get, and he wasn't even great at what he was supposedly supposed to be good at. Yep, exactly. So, the, the, well, so this is not something we had talked about prior to today. It just it just kind of hit me. So let's say Ted, let's say Sam has the year we expect out of him, and. Um, we're obviously going to exercise the option, but what do you think either an extension or a re-signing looks like if, if we determine that he's the guy I've got an, I've got a name and a deal in my head now that I can't remember his exact money, but I've got a name of what I think it looks like. I want to, I want to hear yours. 
and now I'm trying to go over in my head about recent quarterback deals that weren't, you know, crazy. Um, what did, what did Tannehill get paid? That's the name. Okay. That's it. Yeah. It, it, it's like, uh, it was like 150 over, a, let me look it up now. If I Probably remember correctly, five. I think it was like 159 over, over five years or something like that. I think if he makes the playoffs this year and this year, then I think a deal gets done in the off season and they don't write out. Okay, that. It, it was uh, 118 over five. Yeah. Five, one eighteen. So that's yeah. even less than what? Five, one fifty. Sorry. So it's, it's. Well, we gave Teddy Bridgewater three for 63. So that's about on pace with that. Sorry. Four, one eighteen, not five. I think there must be an option in there or something. Okay. Four one eighteen, so twenty nine a year. I mean, that's what's what you're going to pay a franchise quarterback. Yeah, that's on par. I mean, like I said, we gave Teddy three for sixty three. So if you extended that out, you would still be what? I mean, somewhere in the ballpark. Four ninety something. So yeah, another twenty million, and you've got Kenny Hill's deal. 21, yeah. It would have been a four for 84, and then it would have been five for, what, 105? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, that's I think that's pretty pretty fair. Like I said, it all depends on how Sam plays this, season, this right. upcoming season. Yeah, this, the, the, the big contingent was if he does what we think he can do. Um, and, and that's we – had, we had talked about Tannehill earlier, and that's the name that just popped out to me as somebody who kind of struggled a little bit early in their career. Um, but – the Titans decided he was their guy. He, he did get them to the playoffs and he was, he was their guy. So he got that deal. And I think Sam's would look very similar. I will be happy if Sam comes out and has a 25 and 10 season. Yeah. And it, like you mentioned before, he doesn't have to do it all. He doesn't have to make the spectacular throw. He just got to take care of the ball with the team we have around him, make the right throw, make the good throw. Um, got the best running back in the league. You've got, uh, top what top six or seven receiving core. I'm trying to think of a few that I, I can think of a few that are definitely better. Um, but total weapons, there's, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a full group of weapons better. That's for sure. Including mm-hmm. CMC and, and the, the tremble and Dar- and Arnold. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. So, like I said, season can't get here soon enough. We're finally starting to get a little bit um, of information to roll in with uh, more will start, obviously, when minicamp opens up. Um, but this upcoming season, let's talk a little bit about the schedule. The schedule release came out. Um, Sam's got his chance at revenge right off the bat week one against the Jets. Uh, I know that that's a game that I'm excited to see because, obviously, you have Sam facing his old team, but then you have the Zach Wilson um, thing going in there and factor to see how that shakes out as well. So we'll see how that goes, but um, yeah. Yep. Week one jets. I think it's a great matchup for Sam. He knows that he knows the, the personnel that they still have very well. The defense is going to not be great. Um, I think their offensive line is going to not be great with a rookie quarterback. So you can tee off on Zach um, week two, you've got new Orleans. We, our, our thoughts on new Orleans are well-documented. <laughs> um uh, to me, you got You got to come out with a win in that one. As as with, with New Orleans is down this year, they're they're not going to be the New Orleans that has been the first year without Breeze. Um, 
salary cap issues have helped have held them back. Jameis might be good now with LASIK. I'm not really sure. Um, so that's an interesting one. An, an early conference game. Week three, you roll in. It, so the Saints and Jets are both at home. Week three, you roll into Houston. Um, and that – what do you think about that one? If we lose that game, then that's uh, that's not that's a bad sign about how the season because <laughs> I don't they have what four quarterbacks. You got Tyrod. They have um, Tyrod's taking first team reps. They've got like five. They may have Deshaun. Ryan Finley even down there now. From yeah, since I don't even know they, they, draft, they drafted they, Davis yeah. Mills. They it's, signed it's a, somebody it's else. They have, they have they have five running backs. So they have David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram. Um, Everyone says you need five quarterbacks and five running backs on your roster, right? Because <laughs> that's what they've got. It's a mess. Uh, I, I I remember seeing multiple people say the Houston Texans are not drafting and signing to like win games. They're drafting and signing to like try and trade for assets down the road. Yeah, so they're going to hold on to these running backs, and then when somebody needs one, they'll ship them off and get a sixth or whatever. And exactly. And I mean, you you're probably looking at another. You're you're looking at the team that's going to try and. S- go 0 and 6 7 0 and 17 now mm-hmm. and draft the best quarterback next year because they don't they're gonna ride this Watson situation out and hope that somebody will pay them the high for him I, I that's still how I see it unfolding nobody's gonna do it right now but well I'm guessing they're probably gonna try to trade Tunzel at some point uh it would make sense to yeah somebody first time a team first time a contending team loses their tackle but I mean, that's he's on a huge deal, so it's going to be somebody who can eat that number. Because I mean, I doubt Houston takes it on to get assets in return. Then they'll trade Watson. Let's look at what contenders. Out. If any contenders have space, let me pull up the cap. The best team that has cap: um, Jags, Broncos, Jets, Falcons, Browns, Chargers, Pats, Bengals, Lions, Niners. Niners are the best team with cap, probably. Yeah. 17 million. I Colts. can see San Diego making a move eventually. Well, San Diego drafted. Well, they got, they got Slater. But yeah. Man, that, that's if. I mean, we talked about that too. If that's if they see him as a tackle versus being a guard. And uh, Colts are right there at 17 as well. So that, that I mean, they're, they're obviously a contender this year. Yeah. Um, after that, I don't see anybody really with enough space to make it. I mean, the contenders are all down at the bottom of the, the cast base list for, for obvious reasons. So, all right, um, let's move on to at the Cowboys week four. So With, worst case, first, the first four games of the season, we should realistically be three and one, two and two, three if, and you, one. if you wanted to go, but, but three and one is, is what you're, what you're but shooting for. You win one of the saints and Cowboys. You win one of those two. You, you right. win the Jets in Houston and win one of Saints and Cowboys. Cowboys are going to be better this year. Dak's back. Um, you, by all accounts, they should be better. Uh, so you roll on into week five against the Eagles, probably three and one. Mm-hmm. So Eagles, Eagles should be. With, with Hurts, you don't know. They don't even know what they have still. Um, that's a weird situation up there. Yep. I, I mean, Best case, probably going in that game, coming out of that game four and one, possibility of three and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, week six, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I think coming out of that game, I mean that's that's another one that they're they're just an average team, just like just like 
the Cowboys, I think, are going to be an average team this year, just like the Saints are going to be an average team this year. I think probably could you could come out of there those those three games two and one, or you could come out one and two. So that puts us at what four and two, somewhere in that range after six games. Right. Then you roll to New York Giants week seven. All right. So then you're shooting for five and two. Right. Week eight at the Falcons. Six and two. So you're in a good spot. I mean, that could, that could be a toss up, but yeah, six and two, best case, five and three, worst case is what you're looking at coming out of there. Week nine, New England comes to town. That is going to hurt my heartstrings. Right. Um, but if they're anything like last year, we should beat the Patriots. They're, they're much improved. I'll, I will say that they've got a lot of their defensive players back that opted out. They, they gave Cam some actual weapons. That should be a good game, in my opinion. Um, so you're probably looking at coming out of week nine, probably what, six and three mm-hmm. with everything we're going into week 10 at Arizona. That is going to be a, a tough game. Arizona is going to be very good on offense this year. Um, we're going to be good on defense. And I think Arizona is going to also, and if Chandler Jones isn't dealt, the Arizona is going to be pretty solid on defense as well. I think. Yeah. With the addition of, um, JJ Watt plus the plus the offense that they have the the Cardinals should make the playoffs this year so that's going to be a yeah that's going to be a tough game to me that's one of the tougher ones in the first half of our schedule yeah so let's just say what six and four coming out of ten then then you go week eleven Washington football team and Ron Rivera come to town beat them last seven year and four yeah I don't see any any major upgrades that they've made so yeah. All right, week 12, uh, we go down to Miami for that Roaring Riot uh, takeover. Miami, yeah. I mean, that's either way. I, I, you, go ahead, you could put it in the loss column just to even out. All right, seven and five. Seven and five coming out of week 12. Um, and at, coming out of any week with these predictions, I'd say plus or minus one game in either column, honestly, yeah. based for, for variability. So seven and five, then week 13 is the bye. Then week 14, the Dirty Birds come to town. They have given up. Matt Ryan has thrown 20 picks already. Hmm. Um, what do you what do you think? Week 14, Falcons in town. Yeah, you can't lose that game. Nope. So we're looking at so that's eight and five. Yeah. Coming out of coming out of that. Then we go up to Buffalo and the date is not set on that one, actually. So does that mean that's is that a Monday? Is that going to be a Monday? I don't know. I don't think that I don't think we have a Monday night game this year. Well, okay. Well, they've got TBD on the date for the Buffalo game, which is okay. the only game they have on the schedule with TBD. This is on the Panthers official website, so I'm not sure why. Um, but that'll be cold because that's week 15 in Buffalo. <laughs> um, I do not really expect to come out of that with a win. No. I mean, things have changed, obviously, with injuries, but at this point in time, yeah. I'm not planning on winning that. Eight and six. Um, so then you go at week 16, the Bucks roll into town. I think we have to split. If you want if you want to make the playoffs, you have to split that series. Yeah. So that goes nine and six. Saints in week 17. If we beat them the first time, we'll just say nine and seven there. I don't think we – even as less of, of a team as I think they're going to be this year, I don't think you sweep them. Right. Um, and then – Week 18 at the Bucks, we'll say nine and eight. 
yeah. lose, lose at the Bucks, win win at home against them. Um, so if you if if Tampa Bay sweeps you, that's that's eight and nine in a seventeen game season, and that's probably not going to be good enough for that that wild card spot. No, and I, I think that what we just ran through was pretty realistic. I mean, they could go either way. I mean, there's a there's a scenario where it's a you know eleven and and six. Yeah, I think the variability go. Yeah, I think eleven and six is probably the ceiling, and you're looking at what. I, I honestly think seven and seven and ten is probably your floor. Yeah. Unless things just go terribly bad, like injuries and some really bad things happening aside, I think that you're go, rolling through that schedule. You're you're in that range, eleven and six and seven and ten, somewhere in that, and probably somewhere in the middle at like nine and eight. Yeah, and and that like I said, we just ran through that. That's that's pretty realistic. I don't think that's any like homerism or anything involved in that. Um, that I think that going into the season Panther fans should have that expectations. And that's what you should probably expect out of this team. You, you think that 11 and six would be enough to possibly win the division. It depends on what happens down there in Tampa, but at least get a, a top wild card. So, but I think, I think that that's probably what we need to be shooting for is probably 11 and six is, is the ceiling anything below eight and nine. I think I'm probably pretty upset about. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, and while we were sitting here, I pulled up Vegas's um, lines for the season, and I just wanted to see what you thought ours was. They probably have our win projected at it's Vegas, so I'll say seven and a half. Yep. On the seven money. And a half. Wow. Um, so as if I were a betting man, and I am, I would play at the overall. Not just, just after running through, I don't – with the scenarios there, I see seven is kind of the floor personally. What do they have Atlanta at? The Falcons. Five. Seven. But this is probably pre-Julio reaction. Yeah. It's Vegas Insider. So well, I don't even know how often they update these this soon, to be honest, on some of these. Seven and a half is not not terrible. I think that that's going to get a lot of a lot of action on it. I just don't know I, what I, they. Would I think, think. We'll, it'll end up. I think we'll end up by season start with the with everything. I think that line will end up at eight. Tampa better protect Tom this this off season, especially since he's having knee injury or knee issues already. Let's see theirs. I mean, they got off to a slow start last year too, but Tampa Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at eleven and a half. Uh, pretty high. Saints are at nine, which is garbage. Yeah. I, I mean, realistically, I think it makes it makes more sense for the Panthers and Saints win loss total to be a little closer, like eight, eight and a half, both of them. Honestly, going into the season, I, I look at those two teams as I while the Saints are down, I still think they'll they'll contend. I, I think we should beat them in the division, but if you can't, if we can't beat out Jameis or Taysom Hill, then Sam's not the guy. Yeah, surely we're, we're surely we're a little bit closer to beating that than uh, than what we were last year. I mean, just yeah, Jameis Jameis couldn't beat us in Tampa. I mean, now he's got Michael Thomas to throw five yard passes to, and that's supposed to scare somebody. Taysom's going to run the ball you know ten times a game. You know, even if he comes in and spells Jameis and they run a two quarterback set, that's not. It's not that's not getting it done but he you know that is the 140 million dollar man of fake money that they've just somehow 
made disappear in a restructure. <laughs> We're going to sign you to this deal, but guess what? We can, we can void it at any point in time and none of it's guaranteed. And none of it counts against the cap. So, yeah. That's just what they've been doing for years. They're going to keep doing it. Eventually, it's going to you know, catch up to them. It almost did this year, but one more year. Yeah, well, how do you get – in all reality, how do you get – how do you attract – top guys when when they see that happening i don't know that's how they it's it's how they structure the deals whether they give it up in guaranteed money which i feel if you want to get paid and you want your money guaranteed there that's your place to go but they're gonna have to pay their left tackle and right tackle um next off season so they're gonna be in trouble again i can't wait all right i can't wait to see what they do who whose money they just totally make disappear somehow to, to be able to do that. Thanks. I was really hoping that Latavius would be one of the casualties this year, but that didn't happen yet. I don't think it's going to happen. So it'll be a next year thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. We'll get out of here. A quick episode this week. Um, we will be back next week. Corey will join us. Hopefully um, we'll have all three of us uh, on next week's episode. We're going to work to have another guest on here in the next couple of weeks as well. So as always uh, like, comment, uh, subscribe, shoot us an email, give us some feedback. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be back next week. Um, if you got any questions, anything you want to talk about, follow us on Twitter, 704cast. Um, follow us on Instagram, 704cast, or email 704cast at gmail.com. So shoot us a line and uh, give us some feedback. And uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. Later. Later.